0: Okay, so we're back in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, this morning, and we're going to be looking, looking in a moment at Ecclesiastes eleven seven to 12, uh, 8, uh, but before we dive in uh, to today's passage, uh, I just want to make a, a few comments on the book of Ecclesiastes uh, as a whole, uh, and, and I've not been around ...for the last few weeks. I've not heard any of the messages on Ecclesiastes, I'm afraid, uh, up to date. So, this may be the risk of uh, repetition a little bit, but as the teacher uh, writes, "What uh, "...what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again." And uh, what has been said will be said again. So in, in, uh, in good line with the book of Ecclesiastes, this might be a repetition, but it, it, it's not a bad thing just to go over, just to consolidate certain things in, in, in our mind. So, so the first thing I, I want us to, to think about is, is how we approach uh, the book of Ecclesiastes as as a whole. Um, you know, it can be heavily influenced by the kind of pers- the kind of person we are, our personalities. You know, if you 're a glass half full person quite optimistic, then you'll naturally gravitate towards those sections that speak of joy and life and, and finding fulfillment and, and meaning in, in your work. but on the other hand, if you're more of a, a glass half empty kind of person, and, and I know I'm not the only one, you'll be coming to phrases such as meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, and you'll be going, I knew it! <laughs> you know, it, but it, it's how we approach it. You know, the, the one thing, the one will be, will be, one will be naturally drawn to verses that speak of light and joy, while the others will see the, the darkness and, and, and decay. And, and of course, none of us live in, in the extremes and everything is in there. But it's, it, it's an integrated book. There is darkness. There is light. There is fulfillment. And there's frustration. There's unpredictability in life in general. Yeah, chapter 3 is, is possibly one of the more well uh, known verses. It immortalized in the minds of a certain uh, demographic with the birds, that when the birds sang, the birds, the group, not the birds in the trees, said so there's, there's a time for everything under heaven, every activity under heaven, the time to be born. A time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, and and so forth, and so forth, and it bats backwards and forwards. The second thing I want want to just kind of briefly say about the book is that people have been rather uh, dismissive of the book over the centuries, kind of seeing it as quite a cynical view of, of, of life. Uh, a few weeks back, I was chatting to a chap that I hadn't seen for a long time. And he was from Stockport, where I'm from. And, and, and Stockport people tend to be kind of quite glass half full. You know, up north, dark satanic mills like, tend to be a little bit less optimistic. And, and, and he said something interesting that stuck, stuck in my mind and came back as I was preparing this. And he said to me, he says, I, I'm, I'm not a cynic. I'm just realistic about life. Which is actually a perfect way to approach the book of Ecclesiastes. It presents us the very nature of life as it is under the sun. I think for for many of us, in in our thinking, we have what I, I would describe as an idealistic view of life. In other words, how we would like life to be. Measurable. Predictable. A life where the sun always shines and where we can eat what we want and still retain the figure of a god or a goddess. But although that may be our idealized life, all of us know full well that is not our actual experience. Life is unpredictable. Like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. There is joy mixed with sorrow, expectations coupled with disappointments. And as Derek Kidner points out in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, time and chance can overturn the finest of our plans. Yeah, we may like to have all our ducks lined up in a row at, at any given time. Yeah, but, but life isn't like that, is it? Life is, is unpredictable. Yeah, you know, talking on the book of Ecclesiastes, David Gibson, not related. But he's a, a Scottish minister. And he says, as Christians and as a church, we, we, we spend much of our time in the epistles, like Hebrews and Ephesians and Galatians. And yet most of our lives are lived out in Ecclesiastes. It's a very real book. You know, how life really Is And thirdly, and these kind of introductions are going on for a little bit. Meaningless, meaningless. Is life really meaningless? You know, it's possibly one of the most unfortunate translations of a Hebrew word in Scripture that has the capacity... To shape how we perceive the Book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm sure it's already been mentioned previously. I should have spent time watching the catch-ups, but I didn't. That's my confession. But no harm in mentioning it again, because it's incredibly important. Yeah, the word translated meaningless throughout the book of Hebrew. Throughout the book. Of Ecclesiastes is that the, the Hebrew word hebel or, or, or hevel, which literally means a vapor or, or, or smoke. I, it's probably the wrong context to actually, actually ask here if anyone, anyone smokes or vapes, okay? okay. I'm quite sure I could find some people who might, and you might think, oh my goodness, he's going to ask me to light up a cigarette as an example, but, but I'm not going to do that. But when I grew up, most of my friends smoked. That's just the kind of context I, I, kind of, I lived in back then. And, and one of the party tricks was it was to actually kind of blow smoke rings I'd never done it. I haven't. I've, I've never really smoked. I think I tried it once, but it wasn't very nice. And, and you know, the smoke, and the smoke ring goes. A little ring comes out of your mouth in smoke. And our friends used to just put their fingers through it, and it just evaporated. It was there. It was tangible. It was real. But in no time at all, it was gone. That's Hevel. Proverbs thirty one thirty says this Charm is deceptive and beauty is Hevel. It's fleeting. There one moment gone the next. I think it was as Joan Collins, and I think it's her ninetieth birthday today, isn't it? Or near to, anyway. Well, Joan Collins said this. He says that beauty is like being born rich and constantly getting poorer. In other words, everything that we see and experience now in life, it's not that it is meaningless because God has created a meaningful universe. But what the teacher is saying, that everything that looks solid and firm and permanent in our lives at the moment is ultimately Chevel. It's a vapor. It's a breath. And it's fleeting. And, and the fourth thing I want to, want to mention, and it kind of leads into the text today. Now, it's one of the significant themes in the book, and it runs constantly through Ecclesiastes, and it's that perpetual elephant in the room that is rarely a favoured topic of conversation, and it's a subject that most of us try to avoid at all times. Costs, and certainly Western society do it always shocks when it happens and yet paradoxically it's the one thing in life that is 100% guaranteed it's like what the punk poet John Cooper Clark said in one of his poems like a death at a birthday party you ruin all the fun like a chewed and spat out smarty you're no use to anyone. If everyone everyone likes John Cooper Clark, that's kinda of quite a good impression. <laughs> Being a Mancunian Does it resonate? <laughs> death. So how are we to think about and understand death? When it comes to the book of Ecclesiastes, that seems that, where the book seems morbidly obsessed with the subject, you're going back just just to kind of try and think about this a little bit on how we actually think about death. you're going back to the glass half full and half empty analogy. The question I want to ask is, is is there another way, is there a third way that we are able to understand this glass? Glass half full, glass half empty, is there a third way? The glass is twice the size as it needs to be. There's always a different way of, of thinking about things. So when it comes to the subject of death and how we are meant to understand it, usually there's two ways on how we understand death. One is it's a curse. You know, Romans says the wages of sin is death. And we see the, the, the curse in Genesis, Genesis 3 and how that changed everything. Death, the curse. But when we come to the writing of the Apostle Paul, we can also say death is a blessing. You know, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain because to be with Christ is better by far. That's our hope, isn't it? So it's a curse and it's a blessing. But is there a third way of understanding death? Well, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, the answer is yes. You know, one of the overarching purposes of the book of Ecclesiastes lies in that question. And the question is this. What does death, Teachers about life. Now I've heard it said, and I can't remember where I heard it, that probably one of the most powerful preachers that humanity can ever know is death itself. Because it speaks to us at the deepest level. In other words, what the writer to Ecclesiastes is saying... Because life is Hevel fleeting. Make sure that you live life well. Make sure that you live life wisely before the before the one who is eternal. So that's the book of Ecclesiastes in a nutshell. And I haven't even got onto the day today's text, so we're actually kind of in a bit of trouble. So I'm going to try and, and, and follow the words of, of uh, Ecclesiastes six, six, eleven. Yeah, more word, the more word, the more the words, the less the meaning. So I will make my words be few as we kind of get into this morning's text. And in a moment, we're going to actually read the text, and it, and it kind of comes prior to the teacher's epilogue. And, and it's written as a poem, beautifully crafted with powerful imagery to drive home what he's been communicating throughout his book. And it's, it's a little bit like the swan song, not only of Ecclesiastes, but life itself. So let's turn, shall we, to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, starting at verse 7. And this is, this is what it says. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. How many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is chevel. Just a breath. Chapter 12, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keeper of the house trembles and the strong man stoops, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the the doors to the streets are closed and the sound of grinding fades, then men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grass popper just drags himself along, And desire no longer is stirred, then man goes to his eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered in the spring, and the wheel broken, the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. The spirit, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Chevel, chevel, says the teacher. Everything is chevel. Ecclesiastes 7 to 10, it works as a kind of prologue to the poem that we find in 12, 1 to 8. And as is often the case in Scripture, the light is contrasted with with darkness, verse 8. Light is sweet. To see the sun is pleasing. There is a a vigor to the words. There's an aliveness to this, isn't there? This is life. And the start of of verse 8 again, very upbeat. However many years a person may live, enjoy them all, he's saying. Enjoy life. It it, it kind of verges on an imperative. Life is to be enjoyed. In other words, all that God has created was created for our enjoyment. You know, in, in these words, there is real liberty, isn't there? Liberation. Enjoy life. It is as if the teacher is giving us as permission. And, and some of us need that permission to enjoy life while we have it. And again in, in verse 9, You who are young... Be happy. This is one of the songs I really don't like, and it's uh, the, uh, happiness is the truth. Because I don't believe that happiness is the truth. But I do believe as human beings on the face of the earth, we are to be happy. And the address is the young, whether it's young physically or, or, or young at heart. You know, be happy and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. You know, George Bernard Shaw once wrote that you know, youth is the most precious thing in life. It's too bad that it's wasted on young folk. <laughs> <laughs> we may laugh, but that is wrong. Because Ecclesiastes clearly says, In your youth, enjoy it. And it comes back and says, No. It's not wasted on the youth because this is how the young are meant to be, full of joy and optimism about life. And it's an absolute tragedy when we see so much mental health issues with young people who are riddled with anxiety from often the pressures, the unrealistic pressures that a society puts on them and tries to accelerate their maturity when they're not able to grow up properly. Enjoy your youth. Don't be forced to grow up too quickly. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is saying. And so the teacher says to the young, you need to banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body because this is the body God has given you. And joy while you are young. As he goes on to say, for youth and vigor are also chavell. It's fleeting, so enjoy while you can. He says, live your life well now and enjoy the gift of youth. And here is the important thing that the teacher wants to get across. He says, enjoy youth, but remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Is he talking about troubles in life? Probably. Is he talking about the grave? Most definitely. The question is, why pour cold water on the joy of verse 7 and verse 8, and the start of verse 8? Why pour cold water or a wet blanket on all that joy? And the answer is again... Presented in the same verse, how many years a person may live, let him enjoy them all. But remember the days of darkness, for they will be many, because everything to come is like a vapor. In other words, it's an invitation to embrace the gift of life, but always keep in mind its temporary nature. Nature. Just as a bit of a, a, a footnote, just re- referring to verse 9 that talks about uh, judgment. and I'm not going to labor this, but uh, most commentators say that part of verse 9 talking about judgment is, is, is more than likely an over-enthusiastic editor wanting to make sure the youth doesn't step out of line. But as we read the, whole, the book as a whole, we see it's largely unnecessary because there is always the assumption that one day we will all need to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we see this in, 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 in chapter 3, verse 17. And so the youth is not being invited to a, a reckless life, but a joyous one. And I love the way Derek Kidner phrases this when he writes, joy was created to be danced with goodness, not alone alone. I'll say that again. Joy was, to be crea- joy was created to be danced with goodness and not alone. If you want a kind of book recommendation for the commentary of Ecclesiastes, Derek Kidness. It's written so beautifully. And So as these thoughts that invite us to, to chapter 12, And heard the prologue. And now we enter into the swan song as the teacher exhorts the youth to remember his creator. It's a well known verse, isn't it? Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. Here's a a note to parents. I don't know if any parents here are into wall art or writing things on on your walls as part of the decoration. And, and, And I guess it depends on the age of the child. But imagine, and you might want to do this, of writing the words on your child's wall, remember your creator in the days of your youth. So every morning when the child gets up, it sees that written. Remember your creator in the days of your youth and there may come a time when they want it removing from the wall, but it will be ingrained in their minds. Remember your creator in the days of your youth and to the young people in the the congregation and for those listening online, it's an invitation to remember the creator. While you're young, because youth is fleeting. Or even to the young at heart, when life may be carefree and full of joy, it's easy to forget your creator. But how about writing these down as a, as a, as a memory verse? Or, or if you're inclined, get yourself a tattoo. <laughs> That's controversial, isn't it? But having someone where you can actually see it on a regular basis. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And let joy dance with the goodness of God. And and, and not alone in isolation. Because when joy dances alone, it can ruin a life. It is a call by the teacher to live a wise and full life. Personified with a life in Christ this wasn't planned between Mark and I but I have a verse written down here which Mark shared John 10.10 Jesus came that we may dance with him that we may have life to all its fullness Yeah, we're actually going to change gear a little here and we're going to kind of start uh, a descent, not, in, not just in, in the message, but in the actual the book of Ecclesiastes as we come into land. And it's a descent for some where you may find it, the experience a little turbulent. And if you are at the other end of the spectrum of youth, things may resonate profoundly with you. And if you are young there might be the temptation just to to switch off and see the poem as largely irrelevant but ironically however it was written for the likes of you so whether you're young or whether you're old but especially when you're young this is for you so please don't switch off to this descent, as it takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. Because it is here and here alone where we learn how to truly live as life actually is. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, says the teacher, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them here the enthusiasm of youth has gone where life or or, or what remains of it no longer chimes as it once did with excitement and joy the sense is dulled and it happens in older life so i'm told i'm young at heart And we reflect on this as, as life portrayed by light. You know, we, we, we see this in, in, in verse 2, uh, where, where, where the light and the sun and the moon and the stars now grow dark. You know, you, you've heard the saying that every cloud has a silver lining. But here we see the clouds return after the rain where we anticipated the sun and it just hasn't come. And the falling of life's curtain, the sun no longer shines. The curtains fall, and the senses dull. And of course, there's the physical frailty of old age, where once the body stood tall and straight, and this is now stooped and trembling. You know, after my father had passed away, I, I enjoyed looking at the photographs of him in his youth. And the, the image is ingrained on my mind in his final days. And I see passages like this. And those images come back. That once he stood tall, and now in his closing days he was trembling and stooped. And again, verse three, where the eyesight and the hearing appreciate they appreciated life's beauty and color and all its array. Here is the description of a person who's peering through the windows dimly, and the beautiful tunes of the songbird now grow faint as the faculties slowly wear and ebb. Away, And of course there's the grinders. Now this is not talking about an, alteria, an alternative online social media network. This is the teeth. The grinders have gone, they've fallen away. Yeah, I do. I do remember we used to kind of go on to Scotland on holidays every year, and I, I drew the short straw and I got to actually uh, stay in my sleep in my antagonist's bedroom, and all I could hear on I was her snoring and her sucking on her gums. <laughs> Things are sticking your mind. The grinders have gone, and as well as there being physical decay, dis- uh, so the confidence. That you once knew is no longer there, verse five, no longer resilient, but distressed. that sense of vulnerability, where you feel safer behind doors than you do in the street, verse four. And where the desire, where, 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 and where desires were stirred previously, there are no longer, and no amount of Viagra can actually bring them back to life. That's what it means. And the man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. You know, it's an incredibly somber and sobering poem, isn't it? But beautifully written. And yet an accurate description of a person. A person's inevitable demise. And no apology is made. And no apology is given, and no apology is needed. But it's an invite to this. It's an invite to remember Him. Remember who? Remember your Creator before the silver cord is cut, and the golden bowl that contained the light of your life is shattered to pieces. And the images of broken objects no longer fit for purpose, all portrayed in the finality of death continues until it reaches the final bookend to the whole of ecclesiastes and what is that final bookend it's hevel hevel says the teacher everything is hevel as a breath as a mere vapor and so the teacher says to you and the teacher says to me let death teach you How to live in the present. Enjoy the gift of life in all its fullness, but let your joy not dance alone. Let your joy dance with goodness. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember Him because life is Chavel. You know, it's it's a call to faith, isn't it? You know, maybe you're here and you're just walking along on your own and you come along to church, you're intrigued. But in relation to putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's never really happened. And maybe life is a bit of a drag or maybe life is an absolute joy, but it's all chavell. And I love the words of Jesus and I think they're absolutely profound and strikes on so many levels. And I'm actually going to finish with this because my time has really, really gone. Jesus says in 11.25, as he's comforting Martha and Mary at the death of Lazarus, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, or he who dances with me, even though he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus came that we may have life in all its fullness. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to, because life is heaven. Let me pray. I'm going to pray by using the words of a a song. And the song goes like this by the Gettys. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone. What is our confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hands? What comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Heavenly Father, as we've walked through the valley of the shadow of death in these closing verses of Ecclesiastes, death speaks to us like, speaks to us like the most powerful preacher and it's always intended to be that way. Father, may we live life now in all its fullness and joys and embracing the goodness of creation that you have given us. But may we walk humbly with our God, recognizing that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so may we walk with joy and wisdom as we dance with goodness. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.